You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute like so many others do. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reaper with Fox 56 in Lexington along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, We just saw a bananas game at Arkansas. Kentucky was a one and a half point underdog going into that game. We're going to talk a lot about that game, and then also uh, later on in this in this show, we'll we'll discuss Kentucky's NCAA tournament resume because that was a big one right there. They had to have, they really needed uh, a win over a top thirty program, and one on the road really boosts Kentucky because before that, you know, Michigan State, Louisville, uh, their two best wins with Louisville win looks even better now. But uh, let's get to the game first, Kyle. Uh, I I know that we had talked during the week. Uh, you didn't feel great about it. Uh, Kentucky's chances going to Arkansas. I also did not feel great about it. Las Vegas did not feel great about it. And Kentucky was up to the challenge. I think we did mention on our, our last podcast going to the weekend that uh, we weren't like ruling it out. Like Kentucky was just going to get blown out. But um, we also looked at it like, you know, Tyrese Maxey steps up in big games. They have Ashton Haggins and Emmanuel quickly has played really well consistently they have a size advantage with Nick Richards, so it's it's not crazy to think Kentucky's going to go in there and win this game. But Arkansas was just so pumped up for it; everything like was like coming to a head for them. It seemed like Musselman, Eric Musselman, their head coach, has really tried to to, to build this culture up, and he got that building and that place rocking um, like like it can the intimidating home court that it can be. And afterward, he was he was really let down; like he put a lot of eggs in this basket you know he was really counting on this being a big win for Arkansas to kind of signal their resurgence as a program in his first season and Kentucky came in there and played some good defense uh blew a lead Calipari gets kicked out and then Kentucky just comes storming back Uh, a lot to discuss uh I'll I'll let you go where where do you want to start well the weird thing about it is um you know, the ultimate takeaway is kind of like, how did they do that? You know, as bad as it was going for a stretch and Cal gets kicked out and the place is going bananas. I mean, literally, the the building started to vibrate when Cal yeah. got ejected. There were 19-some thousand people there packed to the rafters. I would say 100 or fewer Kentucky fans. I did right. like just a kind of a quick glance, rough count of all just of the sections I could see, and there were there were less than a hundred blue shirts in there, so it's basically nineteen thousand Arkansas fans. Many of them lined up, tons of them, the students lined up at like at four o'clock in the morning, and by the time I got there, two hours before tip off, that line was of people lined up to get in was wrapped like hundreds, if not thousands, of people like all the way out one side of the arena, around a building, and around the back of that building, you know, up the street further, fully around a block of people, you know, six wide um, to, to get into that game. And, and, you know, I was told that when Kentucky showed up for the morning shoot-around, they were, they were just getting accosted with profanities and name-calling and 
bird flipping and crotch grabbing, you know, like the students were just absolutely amped from the from the time they got up until tip off. And then as Kentucky pulled back in for the actual game a couple hours before the game, some of the students got their hands on the buses <laughs> and were like slapping and oh, rocking the buses. Really? Uh, oh yeah, they, old the, school. It was an intimidating environment. And that place, you know, as soon as the the team went out to to warm up, you know, the student section was already in its seats. Several hundred students were already there in their seats, and they were, had signs, and they were screaming their heads off and insulting the guys. I mean, it was, I would say, the best road environment I've been in since the Indiana game where Assembly Watson Hall? hit the shot. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, and I had told you and told people, I mean, not that you didn't know, but I had said, and, and I have told people many, many, many times, like, if Arkansas is even sort of good, and if they're really good especially – Bud Walton Arena is the best arena in the SEC, um, and that was true yesterday. Like, Rupp Arena never does anything close to that. I mean, some of the big games, Rupp does get loud, but this was just this was just white-hot heat of, like, <laughs> we want yeah. to kill these guys. And, you know, there's right. extra Arkansas fans, and you could see it on Twitter. Malik Monk tweeted something about the win and just got – hammered by some Arkansas yeah. fans. Arkansas fans hate Kentucky extra. You think about the 90s rivalry, and then under Cal, he goes yeah. in and he steals Archie Goodwin, and he steals Malik Monk, two five-star kids who they badly wanted to stay in state, and, and Cal goes in and steals them, and Monk especially. And, I mean, they hate Kentucky. Yes, and they do. Badly. Everybody does, but they actually have a basketball fan base. They're not a football school that uh, if their team is good, like they're in the back, like they have a core basketball fan base that loves it. Yeah, basketball. Nolan Richardson, it's a basketball Eddie school. Sutton, yeah. And so when you when everybody hates Kentucky, but when you but nobody hates them quite like Arkansas. And nobody else in the league has fans quite like these. Mm-hmm. And it was just a Thunderdome. It was absolutely crazy from even before the game. So that's that's one thing. But the weird thing was like this idea that like when it was all said and done, 73-66 Kentucky wins, you go like, how did they do that? How did Kentucky do that? How did they pull that out? But, but then you realize they led for 32 minutes. I mean, they were, yeah. they were. There was not a very big window where they weren't leading Arkansas. They basically handled that pressure almost the entire game, except for about a five-minute stretch. Yeah, they were up to the challenge from the opening tip. Yeah, and so that's the that's the weird thing. But but it was but it was worthy of a how they pull this out, even though they had kind of controlled the entire game because there was that one stretch where they really let the crowd back into it, and they went from up. Uh, 11. 11 early in the second half to tie game. Everybody's in foul trouble. The first seven fouls, and this helps you understand why Calipari got ejected, after barely avoiding getting ejected three, two nights or three nights earlier at South Carolina. We thought he would. He didn't. But the first seven fouls of the second, they go up 11, but then the first second fa- seven fouls of, of the second half go all against Kentucky. Right. And then I think 11 of the first 15 fouls, so 11 to four are the fouls at the point that the game gets tied. E.J. Montgomery gets his fourth foul. The whole roster at that point is in foul trouble. 
and Cal Perry gets himself. He he gets he he argues that foul. He gets a technical. Then he goes after the officials, gets a quick second technical, and he's gone. And when he got ejected, that building felt like it was going to crumble. Yeah, it went crazy. I mean, my feet were vibrating. Um, and so, so in that way. And then they hit three out of their four technical fouls. They're up three. They actually got a th- – then they had the ball. They had a three in the air that if they hit it, yeah, I think the, the actual building – I think off. the building would have actually dis- disintegrated. All right, Kentucky, let's stop right there, and we'll talk more about Calipari's ejection because we got to get to our first break, and uh, we'll definitely get, get more into this when we return. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee, and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked on Kentucky podcast and get 10% off the merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast, a Monday edition. Uh, Of course, we come to you Monday through Friday. And uh, Kyle, we were just... We were just talking about how the momentum started to swing. That wave came down on Kentucky of Arkansas, just erasing that 11-point deficit. And Calipari had argued twice before he got the first technical on flops. Yes. One of them, there was no question, without a doubt. Yeah, it was Ashton 100%. Foul yes. out around the perimeter. And you watch the yes. video. It's like they, it's, there was some it, there, there was some some mild contact, but the guy looked like he'd taken a, a, yes. a grenade blast to the chest. Exactly. He yeah. he. And so and they reviewed Cal, it. They reviewed that. I couldn't believe that they reviewed it, it and still didn't see what they needed yeah. to see. And so that's what Calipari's really hot about. And then, as you mentioned, second half because the foul disparity was hugely in favor of Arkansas in the first half until just the last couple of minutes of the first half, and then bang, 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 bang. Arkansas picked up like. Five fouls in a minute, and it just it, it got back to, you know, more even. But second half, again, seven fouls, the first seven fouls of the second half, all on Kentucky, and Kentucky's got foul trouble with Hagens and then uh, Maxie and Sestina and E.J. Montgomery. And he's feeling like he was at South Carolina, like you're going to foul out my team again. And so this happens, and when you watch it, there is very little contact between E.J. Montgomery and the dude he's trying to screen, but there's no way it's, I don't know, it it could be a judgment call. But the thing is, is that you had blatantly missed one earlier that you reviewed, yeah. and now this. Well, and and, he and just has is, is lost it. He's reached his tipping point there. Well, and, and, and how about this? <laughs> After the technical free throws to put Arkansas from down 11 to up three, Arkansas in the second half to begin had shot 15 free throws and Kentucky had attempted zero. Yeah. 15 to zero. I mean, and they made most of them. Um, You think about how many points that is. Um, Let's see. They made one, two, three, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They made eleven. So so they had outscored Kentucky eleven nothing at the free throw line when Calipari got ejected. Um so, yeah, yeah so he's, I mean, obviously he's pissed, but but also, even though Kentucky had mostly been in control, it a hundred percent the way that building was rocking and those Arkansas players were going nuts and they're they've got the lead after, and then it's also recent historical context like they, they Kentucky's been doing this all season, yeah, uh, you know, getting the double digit lead in the second half and then either blowing it or almost blowing it. I mean, over and over and over again. Um, if you think about how they they got up uh, 12, I think, early in the second half against Louisville, and they end up going to overtime. Uh, and they get up, um, what, by 14 against Alabama. And, yeah. and Alabama mm-hmm. gets it down to three with two minutes to go. South Carolina, they're up double digits, and they end up losing on a banked-in shot. And, and then this. So this felt so much like that movie – and then you're, and then you throw in the fact that they're on the road doing it, and and on the road in this insane environment, and Cal Perry's gone, and he's you know having to watch the game in the locker room, and and everybody again, Ashton Hagens has four fouls, EJ Montgomery has four fouls, I think a couple other guys had four fouls at that point. Um, it absolutely felt like they were going to lose that game. I was yeah. sure they were going to lose that game. I tweeted I that they there. were going to lose the game, and of course I've you know the nature of Twitter. The freezing cold take uh, cancel <laughs> culture. Uh, I took a lot of heat for that. That was fine. I owned it. I made a bunch of jokes about it. But I absolutely thought they were losing that game, a game that they had mostly controlled. And so that's what made it. That's what ended up making it a really special win for them, because it was gut check time. You've let another lead slip away. Now you're in a place where that could kill you. This environment is crazy. One more foul on Ashton Hagens and you're done. Like, you're dead, probably, if he fouls out. Yeah. Uh, EJ Montgomery went on to foul out soon after with one point and two rebounds. Never would have thought that they could get so little from him and get Cal ejected and all those things and still win. Um, And so then Kenny Payne takes over, and he sits down and pulls the clipboard out, and he says, relax, we're going to win the game. We're going to fly. They're not expecting us. They're thinking that this is all about, you know, these last eight minutes or, you know – about execution grind and grind it out. So they're not going to expect us to grab every rebound and fly up the floor. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, and they're not going to expect us to play zone because we don't play zone because Cal doesn't like zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that's Tony Barbie's specialty, and he's often tried to kind of talk Cal into it, and he has a little, you know, mix, mix it in and fits and starts. Here and there. But they, yeah. they had played, I believe, single-digit possessions of zone this whole season in 15, 16 games. Arkansas had done no preparation for zone. They'd not practiced zone offense because why would they? Kentucky's not going to play zone. No, they know Calipari doesn't so, play zone. So it's a total shock. Everything they did with Kenny Payne and Tony Barbie in charge for the last eight nineteen caught them by surprise. You know, they, and let me tell you something. There's no way because Kenny Payne says it afterward. You know, we were forced to play like we had no choice because Hagens had four fouls. Hagans had four fouls with 15 minutes to go in the game. Calipari didn't get tossed until seven minutes later of game clock, like eight minutes to go in the game. If right. Calipari's still in the game, they don't go to that zone. They just don't. I don't care what you say. No, don't. I don't think so. I mean, but they did protect Hagans. They sat him for a little while. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, so so they did kind of three things. They 
they decided to get out and run and just play free flowing and and they they ran a few plays that were uh, Kenny said, you know, it's Ashton's play. It is let him make decisions and he made all the right decisions. Um, you know, there was one where he drove Mm-hmm. Uh, into the around the free throw line, maybe a little beyond the free throw line, and sucked the defense in and, and whipped it out to Emmanuel quickly, who had been like 0 for 4 and mm-hmm. 2 for 13 overall from the field, and he nails the nails the three, and that that ended up being from the time Cal got ejected over the next like five minutes, Kentucky went on a 17 to 2 run. Yeah, and it was just stunning. It 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 silenced the building. Half the crowd left. There was the, then there was the crazy finish. I don't even feel like getting into that. There was the crazy finish where they had a, another bogus call where Emmanuel quickly's triple teamed, and they call him for a flagrant foul. Right. Um, and it, when he was fouled. Right. When he was fouled. He was and fouled. It, and it resulted in in a little bit of ten, tension at the end, but most of the crowd had already left um, because that seventeen two run was just like, well, holy crap! <laughs> what did yeah. they just do? And Arkansas, against that zone, missed seven of its next eight shots. Kentucky Mm -hmm. did not miss a shot the rest of the game after Cal got ejected. They only took six, uh, technically six field goal attempts, made them all, but then also got 20 free throws in the last eight minutes Mm -hmm. and made 16 of them. Um, And so the zone flying on offense. And the third thing was uh, Nick Richards. You know, they really focused on getting the ball to Nick Richards against an, a, an overmatched team that had no size to counteract him. Uh, he hit four consecutive – the seven-footer hits four consecutive free throws in crunch time. I thought Nick played a great game, just 28 minutes, 17 points, nine boards, two blocks. Yeah. Did, he was the one guy who didn't get himself in foul trouble. Right. Um, just just a, a, a great performance by the coaching staff. Uh, I thought an excellent job by Ashton Hagens of performing uh, when he's had some real decision-making issues. He goes 13 points, six rebounds, six assists, one turnover. Right. That was big. Um, you know, we can talk about some of the other guys, but those were the he things He still took that, 11 shots. I still think too many shots that he – because he still is not finishing in, at the rim at a in, high rate. In the uh, middle of that game, I thought when they had chances to really stretch their lead, he made poor decisions about right. shooting, taking the shot himself. But in right. the when end he had game, somebody there, you know, right. there were some times when he drove and there was somebody there he could have gotten it to. At the same time, I understand he's right there with a high percentage shot. But if you're not making them, I don't know. It's tough. To the deal only with one that I really had confidence issue. as well, you know. Yeah, the one I had really had issue with. I think part of it was a heat check because they opened the game. Arkansas opened the game in a in a obvious strategy to dare Ashton Hagens to shoot it. Mm-hmm. He he would have to be at the top of the key, and they would his man would be at the free throw line. Uh, and so he, they dared him to shoot it, and he he opens up and and to everyone's surprise, nails two three pointers to start the game. Yeah. So I think he got his confidence going. He the only shot that I really took major issue with is in transition. He pulls up for this just pull-up yeah. transition contested three-pointer, which obviously missed and was was a bad decision. But overall, and especially down the stretch, Ashton was uh, everything they needed him to be. Yeah, I can't get on get on him too much. I, I just mean – you know what I mean. You know, yeah, he, yeah. You probably sure. don't want him leading your team in uh, in shot attempts. But we'll, we'll talk more about this. Uh, got one more break here, and uh, we'll come back and, and finish up with – uh, so much more to talk about. My gosh, we'll have to try to get it in at the time we have, but uh, uh, definitely more to talk about here when the Locked On Kentucky podcast 
continues. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Kentucky fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Kentucky fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And, you know, the, when Calipari gets tossed, it's the first time he's been tossed since February of, of 2016, that famous game at South Carolina where Tyler Eulis takes over. Calipari says he became the coach. Are my team's empowered, all that stuff. Uh, Eulis had 27 points because Calipari got ejected within like the first five minutes of that game. Eulis had 27. Kentucky wins by 27 at South Carolina. So that was the last time, almost four years ago, that Calipari got kicked out of the game. I don't think he intentionally meant uh, to do this. Uh, it definitely, you know, sparked his team for sure. I felt like uh, the team felt like they needed to rally uh, for him. But also, I mean, Kenny Payne and Tony Barbie did a great job. You mentioned it earlier. Kenny Payne said they're not expecting us to play this way, so we're already doing great on the boards. You know, hit the boards again and then get out. And immediately, Tyrese Maxey, gone. Three-point play for a layup. Next one, gone. Dunk. There's four. I mean, there's five. And that was on a beautiful right – that was a beautiful home run pass from yes. Ashton Hagens that, that uh, set him up for that dunk. And they and they, they hit the boards. They were just doing a great job of that. But then you play the zone. When you play the zone, that gives you a good opportunity to get out as well. Uh, then you got quickly in the corner. He was miserable shooting the ball. He hits that huge shot right there. And Nick Richards comes up and hits four consecutive free throws uh, down the stretch. Keon Brooks. This was where Kenny Payne said after the game, look, EJ just fouled out with like 6.53 to go in the game. Uh, Khalil Whitney, we tried it. He can't play. Uh, Nate Sestina, he's in foul trouble. Also, he's having trouble guarding these guys. Um, Keon, this is it. I'm not taking you out. You've got to give us what we need from you right now. In these last five minutes of this game, if we're going to win it, you've got to be the guy who rebounds balls, uh, knocks down free throws, and defends. And sure enough, he did. Uh, he came through in a big way. Seven rebounds, second straight game that he's had seven rebounds at 10 points. He made a couple free throws. He had some, you know, some turnovers there as well. But for the most part, Keon Brooks is what they needed him to be. I mean, they didn't get it from EJ Montgomery. Um, still, EJ, you know, his 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 ability to defend uh, and rebound is, is something that they they still want to live with that more than they want to take a chance on Khalil or Keon. But when they had Keon in there. Yeah, he came through in a big way, and uh, Kenny Payne said I was very proud of him that this was a that was a big game for Keon to do that. Yeah, and and 
you know, there's a couple, there's a couple different things in that, that point. And one is Kenny Payne really wants to be a head coach. He's known as a recruiter and a player development guy. I wrote a big profile of him this summer talking to all the former players that are in the NBA now and how much they love and respect him and come back and work out with him. And the workouts are legendary and his reputation is great there, but you know, nobody knows, is he an X and O guy? Could he, could he lead his own program? Um, this was a really good audition for him, I would say. That's one thing. And, and, and sort of tied to that, as big, how big this was for Kentucky that Keon played that way, I think Kenny's approach to Keon was good and also reflected well on Kenny. The quote was, the whole time I'm telling Keon, you have to grow up today, so I'm not taking you out. I need, you, I need to know that you can get through this. You're taking a test. How are you going to do on this test. And he said yeah. he passed. Um, he said the pressure has, he's been under to perform is a lot. The game is coming fast, but he stood up and he came through for us. That's really big, a really big day for him. That's true. It is true that it's big because I think he, he, I have felt for a while now, like of, of he, EJ and Khalil, what that Keon was the closest to being able yeah. to break out because he gives effort. He's not perfect, but he tries all the time. And I can't, say that that's, yeah. I can't say that's true of the other guys. So that was big. But I thought, I thought the fact that Kenny left him in for the entire, like, eight, last 849 of the game, he stayed in. Uh, and, and he said, you're not coming out. You can, you're going to play through mistakes. You, show me what you can do. Um, basically, an I believe in you moment. And I think probably a guy like Keon needed that. And, and you know, Cal can't always afford to do that. You can't always let guys that aren't that haven't necessarily proven it yet stay in there for nine minutes in crunch time it was somewhat necessitated by ej fouling out and some of those other guys struggling but nonetheless that message i think resonated with keon and it helped him break through so that i thought that was good on keon and very good on kenny um yeah the other thing i thought was big um was um keon guarding uh jimmy witt some yep. uh, EJ Montgomery guarding with some uh, Emmanuel quickly guarding Isaiah Joe Arkansas yeah. winds up shooting a season low 33.3% mm-hmm. uh, for the game. I mean, the worst they had shot before that was 37% at Georgia tech uh, 37% against Montana. Otherwise they had been shooting the ball, uh, you know, pretty well above 40% yeah. in just about every game. And, Quickly's defense, and that may have affected, you know, his shot that he's expending a lot of energy on Isaiah Joe. I mean, Isaiah Joe's a guy we're talking about dropped 37 points, hit yes. seven threes in a game. I mean, he is one of their big time guys. Mason Jones is the other. Jones had a tough day as well. But Jimmy Witt, I mean, they kind of Joe Jones and Witt is their Hagens quickly. And they had Max. all scored at least 30 points in a game at right. some point this season. Exactly. And those guys. Go Joe goes four for 14, three of 11 from three. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe, I meant Jones goes five of 15, one of five from three. Witt goes three of nine from the field. It took him forever to get that first field goal. He was like, oh, for six or seven, it seemed like. Um, so the, the defense that Kentucky played is also uh, <laughs> pretty impressive against that group of Skilled scores. Yeah, and I, I that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, co- well, a couple of things 
for a team that plays four guards a lot and just all small ball kind of stuff as Arkansas does, they're not a great three-point shooting team. They were like 300-something uh, nationally in three-point percentage, like 29%. Um, and so going to that zone dared them to shoot shots they're not great at shooting. Even though they have all these guards, they're not great shooters. Um, and so that was one thing. But two, even before they went to that zone, you mentioned quickly. I thought – quickly was so impressive because he couldn't make a shot and he one he didn't stop trying he still believed the next one was go down and and the next one did the most important one did go down <laughs> yeah. um but also it was like what else can i do so isaiah joe the nuclear option for arkansas hits his first two three-pointers of the game and then emmanuel quickly just decides to lock him down and he goes 30 minutes of game action between that second three-pointer dropping and his next made shot. Yeah. 30 minutes. I mean, he basically was neutralized. He hits a couple shots basically in that furious thing at the end. Um, but for the essentially, Emmanuel quickly shut him down. He ends up 14 from the field. And then the other thing, 10 rebounds. He got his first career double-double, 13 points. Uh, he only makes three of 14 shots. But he makes six of seven free throws. Also missed his first free throw and then hit his last six. Did Emmanuel quickly. And he goes 13 points, 10 rebounds. Plays incredible defense. I would say. offensive rebounds. Of those 10, four were offensive Well, that's a little misleading because I think three of those were on this one sequence where he was just kept getting his own miss. Right. Miss, 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 miss. Still, that shows the, you know. The effort to keep going. Yeah, a lot of bounce. But I. You know, can we make a pretty strong argument that he's their best player? Um, he's you know, the MVP. He, I mean, I know Ashton Hagens is hugely important. Um, I think if you take Hagens away, it maybe I don't know. You could still go to Maxi or quickly to run the point. You could figure it out. But he's definitely been the most consistent guy on everything. And he's, like, a, he's not just a scorer, a defender. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't allow his offense that Cal talks about all the time. He doesn't this game proved it. He does not allow his offense to dictate whether he'll play defense and do all the other things. And he came off a five game streak where he was averaging nineteen points and shooting sixty percent from three. He went ice cold and he still had a great game. Um I think that is so important for Kentucky. And you know, he's their best he's their best shooter. He's their best free throw shooter. He's their best rebounding guard. And he's their most consistent defender. Like, he's not going to get all the steals. I wrote a big story about his defense. He's not going to, you know, wow you defensively. He's just going to be in the right spot. Um, and he did that again Saturday. I I thought there were some guys that, that really delivered. And we, don't, we haven't even mentioned Tyrese Maxey. And he had a, a relatively pedestrian day in part because Hagens was so committed to shooting. And quickly got a lot of shots off. He, second straight game, he only had seven field goal attempts, but he made five of them. Mm-hmm. And, and those during that stretch, those those were huge for Max. He only has eleven points, but he scores the the uh, I think he has a, a, a one man five zero run during that uh, breakout stretch for Kentucky. Um, he was good when they had to have him. So yeah. um, just uh, that was a gut check game for Kentucky. It was a game that if they hadn't maybe let go of the rope, they they had a chance to blow Arkansas out in their own building that was going crazy. And just even being in that position was impressive. But to blow the lead and come back and still win comfortably, also very impressive. I know we're 
basically running out of time, but we should in the big picture reset now. Based on Ken Palm's rankings, yeah, these are their wins, their best wins against number six Louisville, which went and won at Duke on Saturday. That really helps Kentucky. Number seven Michigan State, which is rolling through the Big Ten right now, really helps Kentucky. Uh, number thirty-one Arkansas on the road, and and one win that's getting better is now number forty-three Alabama, which has beaten uh, Auburn and I think one other. They beat who else did they beat? Alabama beat somebody else good. Missouri, um, they just beat Missouri. Um, yeah, they beat Belmont and Richmond, uh, Mississippi State, but they beat Auburn by uh, nineteen points. Um, and so they've got four top 50 wins, and then they have the weirdest profile ever. Then they have three basically sub-100 losses. Plus, Ohio State has now lost five out of six games since they beat Kentucky. Um, so I would say maybe the weirdest profile, NCAA tournament profile in the country. Very few teams have as many top-end wins as Kentucky does, but nobody with those kind of wins has as many bad losses as Kentucky. So I don't know what the committee ends up doing with them, but – a lot of that will be predicated on these next two Saturdays. They're at number 19. Again, these are Ken Palm rankings, Texas Tech, and at number 26, Auburn, the next two Saturdays. Um, and there's a couple more opportunities in the league as some teams are starting to play better. LSU's now won six straight games. They only play once at Baton Rouge on February 18th, but LSU's up to 33 in Ken Palm. And Florida finally playing like the, a little Got bit together, like the team. Yeah. Uh, we thought they'd be one five out of six, including wins over Alabama and Auburn. Beat Auburn by 22 this weekend. Uh, they're now 25th in Ken Palm, and they play twice, February 22nd in Lexington, March 7th in Gainesville. So maybe there are still – they end up being a handful of opportunities to get some more quality wins. But uh, uh, this one if, was huge know, for Kentucky. Kentucky was the spark for South Carolina, but they they whipped Texas A&M at, in College Station. Uh, and so I, I don't know if that helps them along, and they they start winning some games. And uh, Florida got this guy Omar Payne. I, I don't even know who he is, but he had like a career game for them, double double. Uh, that maybe he was one of their freshmen. I think he was a top fifty freshman. Maybe that gets them going. But LSU stole another one on the road, beat Ole Miss in a game that they trailed, and came back. And uh, no, was that that was not was it Ole Miss? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they beat yeah, Texas A and M in overtime on yeah. the road, and then so they won two road games last week yeah. in the league. They are the only only undefeated team. Five They're in first place, five and zero in the SEC. They haven't they haven't played the top top of the league yet, other than Arkansas at home. But uh, and that was a two point win. Uh, but they they will run the gauntlet soon enough. They're playing Florida at Texas, Alabama. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see what LSU does, but they they kind of have that good setup. They only well, they play Florida twice. They only play Kentucky once. Um, looks like they only play Auburn once. Uh, I don't know how they pull that off, but uh, <laughs> it seems like LSU gets that lopsided schedule every year. Um, they must love Will Wade. Uh, who doesn't, right? Yeah, but yeah, starting out five and zero is not bad. Uh, it's it's a good way to go. Five and zero starting, so they're. They have sole possession of first place entering this week of the SEC. Kentucky and Florida are both tied for second at four and one, and then everybody else is three and two, two and three. Oh and four uh, is Ole Miss, are Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. But we, we got to go. We've had a plenty of time. We got plenty of time tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast that we'll talk about the game against Georgia that's coming up uh, Tuesday night at seven o'clock in Rupp Arena. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk more about. You know, craziness in college basketball and the SEC and beyond. 
So for now, we'll say good uh, good day to you. Enjoy your week. I uh, hope it's off to a great start. You can follow me on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.